Welcome back to What You Will Learn. My name is Adam Ashton. And my name is Adam Jones. Today we're taking you through the best bits of Stolen Focus by Johan Hardy. Uh, Why well, you can't pay attention, Ashto, and me, and everyone. Nobody can. Nobody can. Because uh, a life full of distractions is a life diminished. Well, it certainly is. If you can't pay attention to anything, you can't really do much, can you? If you want no. to read a book... You can't pay. T- you can't read the book. <laughs> that's right, Mate, That's right. You get pulled away by some kind of uh, ping or ring or ding. Uh, if you you want to spend uh, spend a few uninterrupted uh, minutes or hours with your kid, uh, but somehow you're just anxiously checking that email, waiting for, to see if the boss has got anything for you. You want to set up a business, but then you just your life just gets sucked into some TikTok vortex, and you never start that business. <laughs> Maybe that's a bit <laughs> sounding a bit. Whatever you want to do, you just get pulled into some kind of distraction. Yeah, mate, it's a phenomenal book because uh, I think we're all have those experiences. Oh, yeah. it's, it's so hard to get, not get pulled in that vortex sometimes. Oh yeah, and you can blame yourself. But luckily, Johan is not really going down that path and just <laughs> saying how dumb we all are. Um, he's saying it's not our fault. Yeah, he says that there's really never seems to be enough stillness, enough you know, cool, clear space for you to stop and think because every time you try, something's sapping you. Uh, and he reckons it's well, there's probably a little bit of personal responsibility in there, but he's saying it's actually this the whole system effectively that's being created um, yeah. at all different levels that the whole world is just distracting you. Yeah, I know your vortex, Astro. I know the algorithm TikTok has on you, and it <laughs> pulls right. you in, mate. If they just didn't have the vortex so tempting, um, you'd be not so, spending so much time on there. So they're pretty good at it. Yeah, every time you get interrupted, a study said that it takes an average of 23 minutes to actually get back to that state of focus. So you might be working away really hard, you know, banging out that monthly report. And then you just think, oh, I wonder what's happening on Instagram. Scroll through a couple of stories. Think, oh, that was just 30 seconds. I'll get back to work. No, it's not 30 seconds. It's 23 minutes before you get back to that peak state, that optimal sort of productivity that you're at. It's not good, mate. It's not good. So as a species, we're facing a whole new un- a slew of unprecedented tripwires and trapdoors for us to try- trying to achieve our goals. And unlike previous generations, we're not really rising above to, to meet the biggest challenge that the world's facing right now. Because when attention breaks down, problem solving also breaks down. Mm. That's pretty clever, yeah? If the distractions stop you from problem solving, you can't solve the problem of distractions. Oh, geez. That's, that's, a, yes. that's, a, that's a clever evolutionary trait of distractions. Oh, that's, that's true, mate. You can't, you can't get rid of them because they've eroded any possibility of us solving the problem. And there's big things going on right now. Like, you know, if you've got democracy and it really does require the ability of the whole population to pay attention long enough to identify real problems, might be brought up from people from the other side of the aisle and does take a little while to actually see them. And also to distinguish, you know, fantasies that come up from our leader with solutions that where we need to hold our leaders accountable if they fail to deliver on them. Yeah, mate, you went to the epic level of, of you know, global politics, even at the, the personal small level, it's pretty hard to pay attention. Even I, I just realized the other day, I got into this trap of normally I'd be watching a TV show, which is normally a distraction in itself, mm. but then you almost distract yourself from that playing like say a game of poker on an app and then yeah. I realized that I'd be playing poker whilst watching the TV and there was one time I was watching the TV and my brain couldn't watch it because it wanted to play poker whilst watching it. So <laughs> that's distracting yourself from the distraction. It's just how many yeah. layers deep does that that's go? so good. I can't even <laughs> it's distract myself from the distraction either. <laughs> so we're all cooked, man. But luckily in this book, there's a little bit of hope in there because if we understand what's happening, what game mm. we're actually playing, we can begin to change it. Astro's old uh, uncle, James Baldwin, he once said, not everything that is faced can be changed, but nothing can be changed until it's faced. 
Mm. So the crisis is human-made. We can step up, we can face it, and we can do something about it today. Johan, we've obviously done his book, Lost Connections. The book before that was Chasing the Scream. It got turned into a, a Hollywood feature film. I think he got nominated for an Oscar or something as well, somewhere, right? somewhere along the way. And obviously, so he sort of collected himself a little stash of uh, of coin that he was sitting on. He thought, you know what? As part of this next book, I'm going to do an experiment. Uh, he went away. He went. Oh, he lives in the UK. He went to the US. He went to Provincetown uh, and he left his phone. He brought just like an old school, can only make calls and texts, can't do any of the other cool stuff phones can do. He brought a laptop that didn't connect to the internet. It was broken so he could just type stuff, but he couldn't actually connect to any internet. And he thought, I'm just going to see how this goes. You know, No distractions, none of the normal stuff that we would have. I'm just going to go and sit with my thoughts for a couple of months and see what happens. Yeah, full Buddhist monk style he went and the joint he went to was... Provincetown. It's a pretty good name for the yeah. That what he's trying to do here. I just got that sort of feel. <laughs> but he did get that week of just big decompression, right? None of us have really had that, I don't think, for so bloody long. And he was pretty much stoned. That's what it felt like. <laughs> yeah. Naturally, just walking around, just this mixture of exhaustion and, and stillness, just wandering around the streets, going through a library, looking for a book to read, probably putting the brain in a position that hasn't been a very long time. Mm. He said every every so often he'd feel this these weird sensations bubbling up that he hadn't felt for a long time. Normally he was he was chasing those distractions, but sometimes he just felt this sense of of calm. And he he felt that even just by leaving those two lumps of metal that the laptop and the phone, leaving those behind, he just felt these different sensations that he hadn't felt for you know, years or even decades. It was like a metaphor, like uh he felt like you've been holding these two babies screaming the whole time and, and put him over to the babysitter and they're screaming and vomiting and vanish from view. bit like, um, <laughs> you seen the movie, um, we got to talk about Kevin. No. Big sidestep here. I won't go. Is there, it a good movie? Phenomenal movie. It's really? disgusting though. But anyway, she's she's not having a good time with the baby, but she walks What's past- Where the, you go to talk about Kevin? We need to talk about oh, Kevin. Talk about Those Kevin. who listen and know it's a sick movie. Yeah. But- um. You know, she goes past a construction site with her screaming baby and then past a construction site, she just pauses and then all the construction noise is her break from the baby. <laughs> anyway, big, big step away from the book. Let's go back to the book. <laughs> I wasn't sure what the connection was. Uh, that but... movie popped up in my brain yesterday. I was talking about ah, it. There you go. I thought I'd, I'd let you go and it might loop back around Mate, at some point. Nothing, it's got nothing to do with the book. Okay. Let's keep going. Okay. So... Johan's babies, the phone and the laptop, he put them away and his break was actually a break. It wasn't construction noise. It was uh, calmness. You know, nothing Ooh. was going on. You know, he'd walk on the beach for hours a day. He'd go to the library and he'd pick up books to read. He'd even read the newspaper, which was a, a seemingly ancient tradition that he hadn't done for such a long time. And uh, so gradually over time, he reduced his reliance on those things. He didn't feel those saps anymore, the, the things that were trying to suck him away from whatever he was doing and check Instagram, check TikTok, check his email. They eventually started to fade away. Clearly what was happening, it was more attention, more connection, and he only just began to understand it. So before writing this book, he started, it got him thinking, right? Like, is our collective attention span really shrinking? Mm. It is, he, but what studies are out there? Yeah, he thought, you know, I'm, I'm 40 now, I'm getting older, you know, I can't. I couldn't really focus and read a book like I used to. I couldn't just spend an hour without, you know, quickly checking something else along the way. Or, uh, and he thought maybe I'm just getting older, so I'm losing focus. But he realized after this, you know, a couple of months in Provincetown of not having these distractions, his focus was better than ever. And so when he was looking at studies, he found that on Twitter, 
After eight years of Twitter between 2006 and 2014, they analyzed how long does a topic stay trending. So obviously, when things are trending, it means that in general, the conversation is staying forefront of people's minds and people are still talking about them. Uh, And they were trying to work out, well, how long did something trend at the start and how long does something trend now? Yeah, so in 2013, when they first looked at it, there was a top 50 most discussed subjects and that was discussed for about 17 and a half hours. So, yeah. Almost a full day. Yeah. Two-thirds of a day. By 2016, it dropped pretty fast. So, in the space of three years now, only 11.9 hours. Mm. Um, so, this suggested together on the site that we're focusing on things for a shorter period of time. Yeah. That's a fair drop in a couple of years That because uh, obviously, over those couple of years, all the distractions had kind of ramped up. Um, all the the popular social media had really taken off, and people were getting you know they just wanted that next hit, the, the next big thing, and they were you know discussing topics shorter, and they were quickly moving on to the next thing because they just wanted to chase that next hit. Yeah, there's a lot more time that needs to, to be understand these things. Like when the war started in Ukraine, Astro, you're probably thinking about it every day, but it doesn't even cross my mind anymore. Mm. Unfortunately for the people there, uh, <laughs> that's pretty hard on the people listening from Ukraine, but. And same with Afghanistan, you know, the war there, what happened there. Just Our brains just can't hold it on the things. It's just new bloody news stories. It's like we're skimming through life, just like we're skimming through, or quite literally for me, skimming through TV shows, <laughs> like zooming with the, the cursor, what's the next? And I just jump to the, the action really? scenes and I'll get no. through a series in about one hour. <laughs> it's, it's almost like what's the point at that level but that's man it's not just that it's everything um surprisingly they, all these studies obviously one was you know twitter people not holding their attention as long uh it turns out people are speaking faster now than they used to um and in the last 20 years people have are now walking 10 percent faster as well everything's faster everything's trying to happen quicker uh you know that that never-ending we're, we're just trying to speed up everything speed up conversation speed up how we talk speed up how we walk everything's getting quicker and quicker and quicker so part of this fee what we're doing is trying to do more things at once astro's playing poker while he's watching a movie i'm just trying to speed through a series so i don't do something else that's just speedy and pointless and we're just trying to switch to new things every time. And there's a lot of things that really hurt us and degrade us what we're trying to do because of this. Yeah, we think that we can you know, juggle all these different things. We can do three or four or five things at once because if we do them quicker and quicker and quicker and do everything at the same time, we can get through more things quicker and quicker. But actually, our brain doesn't work that way. For thousands and thousands of years, our brain can really only do one thing at once, maybe two. Like maybe we can you know, walk and chew gum at the same time as they say. But beyond that, uh, we're not actually doing three or four or five things at once. We're actually rapidly switching between all those things, only doing one at once, but quickly switching between them. Yeah, that's the analogy you said there. It's juggling. It's not like mm. you're handling multiple things at once. You're holding one and then quickly spinning it around to the next one. <laughs> that's right. But there's actually a tax with every, say you're juggling, there's a bit of a tax of the ability to juggle with every new ball you throw up. And this is something that is a phenomena that's called the switch cost effect. Mm. And it makes sense uh, to continue that metaphor. If you're holding one ball, that's easy. If you throw two balls, it's still reasonably easy. Three, if you've learned to juggle, is is okay. But once you get beyond three, it gets harder and harder. The more things you're trying to juggle at once, the harder it becomes. You're right. <laughs> well, just ironically, my battery on the it's, it's plugged in and charging, but it's going down. <laughs> Is that something our metaphor for what we're talking about I think, now? I think it is. You're trying you to think you're, you're trying to read, you're trying to charge, you're trying to talk, 
and all at the same time, it's just the juggling's not happening. It was too much going on <laughs> that the cognitive bandwidth of the laptops net negative, even though it's plugged into the bloody charger. I just, I just saw your face. I was like, what's going on here? Are we right? Continue, Ash Joe. So, well, one of the big problems between juggling here is these switch costs. As we said at the start, if you switch, uh, it takes you 23 minutes to get back to where you were. Uh, they did another study. They found that they put a whole bunch of people to do a bunch of tasks. And to one group, they said, cool, just focus and do this one task. To another group, they said, cool, focus and do this task. But we're also going to send you a whole bunch of text messages and phone calls and emails whilst we're doing it. And they found that that second group that was distracted whilst they were doing it, while they were switching between email and phone call and actually doing the task, their IQ dropped by 10 points, uh, which is a massive drop just from that, the distraction. And by comparison, they also then tested a bunch of people who were smoking dope and they found that their IQ dropped by five points. <sighs> so they, so it's actually better to smoke weed whilst you work than try to multitask while you work. Jesus. <laughs> Let's light up. Or it's better to just do your work. You know? <laughs> That's the best. Okay. The second way you're switching harms your attention is what we call the screw-up effect. So when you're switching between tasks, errors start to creep in that wouldn't otherwise. Asho's watching Survivor, playing poker at the same time. <laughs> that was a really stupid uh, call to mm. something he wouldn't otherwise and he loses 100 bucks. That's Happens right. all the time. Yeah, that's right. And then the third consequence, um, he calls it, so we had the, we had the what should we call that first one? The stoner effect, the, the switch cost effect. And then the second one's the, the screw up effect. Now he's calling this one the diminished memory effect. And so they found that, you know, if you're switching and switching and switching afterwards, you don't remember what the hell you did. Mm. I suppose it's like when you, sometimes when you, it's probably not a good thing, but when you're driving home and then you're kind of off with the fairies a bit and you're thinking about all these different things and you, all of a sudden you pass a miles and you're like, oh shit, how the hell did I get here? Yeah. <laughs> it's, probably, it's a bit like that. You, can't, you don't even remember all the things that you did because you were just so busy switching the whole time that you weren't actually focused. So the whole day we're really just juggling around, just spending a lot of time just switching between things a lot. And what we're actually finding out is that today workers believe they spent 40% of their time uh, wrongly multitasking, mm. right? So, this uninterrupted time where we actually can focus on something is becoming really rare. Yeah. And the, the numbers here are pretty, um, pretty shocking. You'd think that, you know, you're doing eight hours of work a day, you know, you go for lunch and maybe you go for a coffee walk and sometimes you've got meetings here or there, but most of the time you're pretty focused. Well, it turns out that the average CEO of the biggest companies in the world, the Fortune 500 companies, the average CEO gets just 28 minutes a day of uninterrupted focus work. Jesus. There's not much you can achieve in 28 minutes a day, is there? There's not. And it happens at every level, not just there. Most office workers are lower on the food chain. They can't even get an hour to themselves without being uh, interrupted. Yeah, it's not good. We need to, we need to focus. If you want to get to what Mihaly Chick Sent Me High calls flow, had about 50 times to get that name right across all of our <laughs> books so i think we've 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 mastered that one but it boils down to three core components man and we've never done the book flow in seven seasons i think in... it's done better in other books oh really yeah uh, deep work especially a lot of like, it is like how many books talk about flow all hell the of books a, yeah all a hell of books. a lot it's probably second to thinking fast and slow in terms of how much it gets it gets ripped uh but the three components one you need some kind of clearly defined goal. You know, you need to have something that you're aiming for, whether it's you want to paint on a canvas, you want to run up a hill, you want to teach your kid how to swim, whatever it is, you need to have some goal in mind and say, this is what I'm working towards right now. Surprise, surprise, uh, distraction and multitasking kill flow, yeah. <laughs> right? Secondly, you have to be doing something that's meaningful to you. So this is a part of a basic truth about attention. 
We evolved to look and pay attention to things that are meaningful to us. Makes sense. Think about if you're a frog. <laughs> if you're a frog, you see a fly that you can eat. Yeah. It's pretty interesting. You can eat that. Oh, yeah. If you That's look at that meaningful. rock, you can't do F all with that rock. <laughs> That's it's not, not that interesting. Not meaningful whatsoever. Yeah. So, yeah, the, the brain's designed to focus on things that are meaningful. So, obviously, when you're picking a goal, pick a meaningful goal. Now, thirdly, it will help if you're doing something that's edgy to your abilities and not too far beyond them. Mm, yeah, that little Goldilocks zone. If it's too easy, it's pretty easy to multitask and get distracted by something else. If it's too hard, you're just going to get frustrated because you can't make any progress. Um, instead of you know going on either end of the spectrum, autopilot or anxiety, you need to find somewhere that's kind of in the middle but just ever so slightly beyond your capabilities. Once we hit these three conditions, we hit flow um, and it's recognized because it's a really distinctive mental state. We all have moments of it throughout the day and uh, what you do is you experience a loss of self-consciousness. You're just so deeply in the moment and you're in the zone. The ego of who you are, it's sort of vanished and you really merge into the task and it's like, say, you're rock climbing or something. Um, you're just so far present in the zone because it's difficult. I've never rock climbed in my life, um, but I could imagine for those those who do, it's uh, pretty flow-like. He says, uh, I also am not much of a rock climber myself. I don't think my, my body shape is uh, suited to rock climbing. They, uh, you never know. Just those long, long, awkward limbs. I think that's what makes rock climbing better. Oh, really? <laughs> Why would you want short limbs? You can't reach the rock and you fall oh, off. Yeah, but I think just, just general balance and yeah, okay. lack of coordination maybe. <laughs> but they say that apparently you know, rock climbers... Once they get into flow, you know, you're not just doing a little little piss easy one and you're obviously not just hanging on for dear life. But you, if you find that right sort of Goldilocks zone, they say that you become the rock. You become the rock. <laughs> or you feel like you become the rock once you're in flow. Oh, that's a big call. I suppose I suppose you can, like when you're surfing, you become the wave. When you're playing piano, you become the, the piano. Metaphorically. <laughs> Metaphorically, of course. Yeah, yeah. Take that. But the thing about flow states, um, there's something really crucial about them. They're obviously desirable because you've got intense focus on the one task and you're obviously much more productive. It's more enjoyable and you're in a state of intense learning. So pretty much all of our best states in life are, are in flow states, mm. you'd say. But the issue is, man, they're really fragile and they're easily disrupted. Mm. Yeah, that's right. Well, any of these distractions instantly pull you out of flow. If you're, you know doing some jazz improv on the piano and you've got into flow and you're really going for it and then just a little ding goes up and there's an Instagram messaging, you uncheck it, flow, instantly dead. Yeah, done, done. And staring at the screen is actually one of the activities we take a part in that provides the, the lowest amounts of flow and we're on the screen a fair bit of the day. Mm. It's almost like a you know a fake surface flow. It kind of feels like you're in flow because you do get sucked into it but it's not actually flow, like the flow of an actual challenge like climbing a rock or surfing a wave or doing some jazz improv. Even Big Chick sent me high. Uh, we can't interview him because he passed away a year or two ago. When he was right at the end of his life, when uh, Johan interviewed him, he was 87, and he said, you know, the, some of the best experiences in his life was uh, hiking up a mountain just because it, it was those flow states. And now Chick sent me high has done a lot of pretty cool shit. Uh, he had a pretty impressive life, but the thing he wanted to do was go back to climbing up a mountain because it was that flow state, um, the things that are most important in our lives. So in our lives, we've got a battle between two big forces and the two are fragmentation and flow. Fragmentation makes you really small, angry, shallow, but flow it makes you bigger, deeper, and much calmer. Fragmentation, it makes you shrink and flow expands us. So the question is, do you want to be one of Skinner's pigeons? 
Ash, hit us with what Skinner's pigeon is because I like it. I think it's a good. Uh, it's a good question. It's when they, uh, you know, Skinner went and caught a pigeon, put him in a little cage, and made him do things driven by triggers uh, and just actions. Yeah, tri- like, you was- know, if you lift, if you lift your left wing, then I'll give you a little treat, and that's kind of like that. You know, the social media companies are saying, oh, you know, if you if you scroll through, if you if you make this post, then you you'll get a like. You just get yeah. pinged around all day by little notifications in your phone and, and little distractions all day. Compare that to one of Harley's painters. Think about Michelangelo, who's spent his pretty much whole day in flow, just going hardcore mm. at the, the Sistine Chapel. There's mm. a lot of people who out there achieve great things because they lived in flow states and not one of these skinny little pigeons. One specific activity that can really get you into flow, uh, if you do it properly, if you know you're meeting Chick sent me highest three criteria. He says it's actually uh, reading a book. So that's a good thing for us. We really have a lot of books if we do it properly. Yeah. Well, I, I think for the most part, I'm in flow when I do it, but I still get knocked off sometimes by one of the pigeons. But that's all right. <laughs> but other, like, other forms of flow, it is, it is being sort of just um, bustled out for constant distraction. Yeah. And Johan says it's not reading necessarily that's the flow, but reading an actual book. He says if you're reading on a screen, like say you read a, you know, a news article on your computer at work, you're not really reading it per se. You're kind of just skimming it. You're trying to get the main points. You're probably having a look at what's at the top, what's at the bottom, and maybe grabbing a few headlines in between. Whereas when you're reading a physical book, you know, you're sitting there, you don't have those digital distractions, uh, and you can really, you know, dive deep into that book and get into flow. Yeah, and these digital distractions, they're like explicitly very different and got different messages, but also uh, implicitly interesting. Like, for example, think about Twitter. Um, the world is complex out there and if you're going to reflect how complex the world is that you need to focus on one thing for a significant amount of time and you need the space to speak at length to actually grasp the planet but when you're playing on Twitter, it's saying something totally different. It's saying uh, you need to say what you need to say about this subject in 280 characters or less Mm. and you need to respond immediately, um, impulsively and that's how the, the culture really is on Twitter to most of the time, a pretty broad, complex topic. Mm. Yeah, the medium of, of Twitter is really saying, you know, condense it into the most triggering, you know, the most polarizing thing that you possibly can in order to and get impulsive. the most feedback. It's going to yeah. be quick. And then if you think about, say, Instagram, um, the, the medium there is saying you need to have really, really good quality photos, whether it's a whatever you're doing, it's a, uh, you know, some landscape, you're going hiking, you want to get the perfect angle of the sun or whether you're, you know, a model and you need to get the perfect angle and the right, I don't know what they do, but I've, I've never done it myself, but, you know, the, the right kind of things, to the right lighting to get the perfect I've seen you sh- <laughs> Al's told me. <laughs> to get the perfect shot to make you look as good as possible. That's the, the medium is rewarding those things. Well, that goal in Instagram is pretty much to just uh, spur envy in your yeah, friends about how you go. good you're doing. And in one sense, it's probably the opposite of, of friendship because yeah, totally. it's just a hollow parody of what friendship could be. Mm. Principle, on the other hand, our show, mm. it's a very different message that's buried in this medium. Yeah, that medium there is saying, you know, we've got hundreds of pages of really important stuff that somebody's taken a hell of a lot of time to try to boil something down into, not into 280 characters, but maybe 280 pages because that's a, the amount of time that it takes to convey this complexity. So it's saying that firstly, life is complex and you need to take time aside to think about it. Secondly, there's value in leaving behind your other concerns in life and just focusing on this one thing. And thirdly, it's worth thinking deeply about how other people's lives and how their minds work and how their, their brain sort of is wrapping around this idea because they have complex inner lives just like you. 
Mm. So whilst you know Twitter and Instagram, those mediums that we mentioned, kind of uh, erode the sense of human nature, books really do the opposite. They encourage the best parts of human nature. The first layer of attention that we have in our lives is our spotlight. So when you focus on immediate actions like, hey, I'm walking to the kitchen to make a coffee, that's your spotlight. You want to find the glasses, you open the cupboard, you grab a glass and um, oh, what's in the fridge? Let's go to the fridge and grab some lettuce. That's your spotlight. <laughs> you fa- Does the lettuce go with the coffee? No. No. Okay. No. I was just I was wondering what was going on there. Yeah, I don't know. That's sometimes my spotlight. It's uh, pretty fragmented. Well, that's kind of what uh, you know. William James, the founder of modern psychology, back in 1890, he said, "Everyone knows what attention is. Attention is like like a spotlight. To take your uh, metaphor, you know, like you're at a concert. Everyone, everything's just rumbling. Everyone's just you know, there's that nervous energy waiting. Then all of a sudden, the lights drop. Everyone knows something's going. Everyone goes quiet." The spotlight pops up and out pops Beyonce and everyone just focuses. That's that's kind of the the type of attention and focus that William James knew back in 1890 and that's it's still pretty relevant today. That's one of the major types of attention. If your spotlight gets distracted or disrupted, you're really prevented from carrying out the near-term actions. Quite literally, sometimes we go to pull out the lettuce and you're pulling out the barbecue sauce <laughs> and then all of a sudden you're salad. You're like, Why did I do that? That literally happens quite a bit. Yeah, there's a second layer of attention and that's your starlight. Mm. Um, and this is what you apply to your longer-term goals, so your projects over time, how you want to set up a business, you want to be a good parent. These are the things and you strategically find out how you're going to achieve these goals with your starlight. Yeah, that's right. You know, that you've got your spotlight, obviously, you're focusing in on that immediate task. The starlight, it's kind of way off in the distance. If you, you know, you want to write a book and it's going to take you 6, 12, 18 months, you need to have that starlight focus to gradually chip away at it at a time. And without the starlight, you really forget where you're headed and you're not really going anywhere. The third layer of attention is what he calls daylight. Now, this is the form, folks, that makes it possible to first figure out what your longer-term goals are in the first place. Mm, that's right. To work out what stars you're going towards. Is this with I don't know if that metaphor works, does it? The stars yeah, don't really work in the daylight. Kind of like, so, say if you, you, you set a goal to be a good parent, Yeah. Uh, daylight is like, I want to be a good parent. You know, you work out what your values are in life and where you want to go and what sort of that step before setting the goals. Okay. Okay. Nice. Um, you obviously need you need a bit of time to think and reflect and, and be very clear to be able to figure out what are those stars that you want to aim for. And Because obviously, if, if you're losing this daylight because you're, you're sucked into all these different distractions, you're really just, you know, meandering aimlessly through life. You don't have any stars that you're working towards. You're just kind of just flittering between pointless things. Well, it's the worst one to lose out of all of them because mm. you actually lose the, the sense of yourself and you only find your starlight and your daylight through sustained periods of reflection. You need this mind wandering and let your brain to have that space and you need that deep thought. So what hackers normally do if they want to take down a website, one of the most common ways is they get a whole bunch of different computers to try to connect to this website all at once. They try to overwhelm its capacity. They max it out. It's called a denial of service attack. And so Johan is saying really like today, we're really living through a denial of service attack on our minds. There's all these things trying to connect to it all at once. The server, it's maxing out. It's done all it possibly can and it's really starting to shut down. Yeah, things are trying to grab our attention just by throwing information at us really undermining our capacity to responding to anything and it just leaves us in a state of distraction or just paralysis. 
So obviously what we need to do is we need to somehow fight back against all these things that are trying to access the website. We're going to have to put a few uh, spam filters in place. We're going to put a few ad blockers up Get there. Get some to- Norton. <laughs> That's right. We're going to have to try to fight back against these things. And Johan's saying that the whole world is, is designed in a way to distract us. So we need to find a way to fight back against it. Mm-hmm.